As a New York Jets quarterback once said, R-E-L-A-X, relax, 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 y'all. What is going on, Panthers Nation? Carolina Dad here, host of the Two Growls, One Roar Podcast, and I am back to give you my reactions of the Carolina Panthers and the New York Jets. Good thing I waited to record this because I can tell you my overreactions were pretty high. Pretty high coming off the game Saturday. I didn't know what to think. I'm glad I took some time to decompress. This was just a culmination of this entire offseason. Matt Rule's gone. He's been gone. Brand new staff. Bryce Young. It felt like an opportunity For the Panthers, even knowing that Bryce Young was going to be very limited in his snap count, it felt like the opportunity to show the world that we were for real. And we come out and we lay a goose egg, a literal goose egg, 27 to 0 in Bank of America Stadium. There's a lot to discuss. I have my thoughts that. Hey, that's what I'm here to share. This episode is a full analysis of that game. Nothing else. There are a few updates that came out of practice today. We are back at practice. We are moving on to the New York Giants. But before we can move on to the New York Giants, I've got to talk about the New York Jets and give you mm, just the lowdown. So let's go ahead jump right in and get into this. So I think it's only right to set the stage to know who was, who was in the game. And I'm going to tell you my thoughts. I mean, if I'm being honest, I'm actually going to give you my thoughts right now because I can't wait. Yes, there are a lot of new pieces on both sides of the ball. Rookie quarterback. We've talked about the new playbooks on both sides But there's something about a competitor, someone who wants to compete and win. And I'm not saying these guys did not want to compete and win. We know this is the preseason. There is a big emphasis put on this game by the fan base because we expected this to just be a different outcome. I don't know about you, but I thought, man, we're going to come. I think my prediction was like 30 to 23. And you have zero points scored? I don't know how you can do it. I don't know. As as an NFL team, how do you not score? We were the only team to get shut out. Like, can we at least attempt a field goal? Sam Franklin likely could have had a pick six, gets tripped up along the way. So be it. But man, I just wanted a little bit of offense. And when you hear after the game, Frank Wright talking about vanilla, those have not been following, go listen to his press conference. 
And someone else put this into really good perspective. If Matt Rule had come out of his press conference this whatever past year and says, yeah, we just wanted to keep things vanilla, y'all would have lost your minds. And some people did lose their minds. I partly, I'm not going to say I lost my mind, but when your coach comes out and says, yeah, we didn't really uh, have a game plan, how I get it. You don't want to, you know, waste time and resources developing a true game plan. You just spent time with them in training camp and joint practices. I understand that. I totally understand. Like, let's focus on the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints back to back. It makes total sense. But at the same time, I can tell you a vanilla game plan. You can still execute a vanilla game plan. Take a look at what we did to the Detroit Lions last year, running all over them. You don't need an exotic game plan to go out there and run the ball down someone's throat. We did not do that. We barely had any offensive production at all. The one shining light was the performance of Bryce Young. I'll talk about the comparison of all the rookies that played this past weekend, not just the rookies that were drafted in the first round. But he looked good. And I'm not saying that as a homer. I'm saying that as a fan of football. There were the moments, the moments that I've been talking about ever since he was drafted, ever since we were considering drafting Bryce Young. There were moments and the moment where he took a hit. He got hit and he got back up. Then he got hit again and he got back up. He's been doing it, folks. He's been doing it his whole life. And I am at the point now where I'm like, okay, it's time for me to move on. And I say that because like, in his press conference after the game, we have you know all the media asking him questions about everything, about taking the hits and how did it feel and all this. And the durability questions are going to get old. So I'm going to stop talking about him until something happens. And I think it's partly our fan base has seen injuries at significant positions, primarily Christian McCaffrey. But folks, this guy isn't Christian McCaffrey. Like until, knock on wood, he doesn't get injured. But until he does, like we can't just keep coming into this thing, you know, holding our breath every single time. And I will say on the hits that he took, the second hit was a cheap shot. It was a complete cheap shot. I am not an NFL player But come on, man. Number one, it's the preseason. You know he's the number one overall pick. The the ball was out, and then you see him just get walloped. And that's part of the NFL. I'm telling you, though, if that's the regular season and or if it's any other quarterback in the NFL, that's a flag. The way the game has changed, that is a flag. The ball's out. You take an additional step. You could have stopped, and you hit the quarterback. It's a flag. That the, The unnecessary contact is the contact that you do not want to see. You know, as we talk about him absorbing hits and sacks and, and everything that will come with the role of being a starting quarterback, it's the BS that comes with those extra hits and, stat, you know, jabs, whatever it is. And like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that protect our quarterback. And it goes back, though, when we start, you know, diving into this game, the offensive line, the offensive line was supposed to be the strength of this team. With Austin Corbett out, out likely at least a few games into the start of the season, 
The questions or question revolves around who is going to play right guard. And I can tell you right now, it doesn't look good for the boys that we saw on Saturday. We heard from Frank Wright today that the right guard competition is still open, but he'd like to have a decision by the end of the week. In my mind, that means at the end of the Giants game, we likely should know who's going to be our starter moving forward because he said he wants to give the team time to mesh together when we go up against the Detroit Lions. And that makes sense. You don't want to have a team, you know, an offensive line that's trying to learn the ins and outs of how each other works together and all that heading into that. So when we when we start analyzing who's going to make this, who's going to make the cut, who's going to make the team, I am honing in on Jensen and Zavala. Zavala's back at practice. He, in my mind, would have been the front runner if he had been able to go through training camp, but he missed you know, pretty big amount of time due to, ham- to a hamstring injury. But he's back. He was at practice today. The other thing, though, is like you look at the offensive line, and the very first time Bryce got sacked, it was a basic stunt. It wasn't a crazy, you know, one guy's coming off the edge or, you know, bringing down a cornerback and switching over. It was a basic stunt. One guy goes to the right. The guy that's on the outside shoots in under, over, or well, I guess over top. And that's that's what happened. And we missed. The protection was not there. You cannot expect Bryce Young to maneuver through everything. He maneuvered the pocket as well as he could. The reads that he made, that the checkdowns, just being able to go through his progressions, you could see he was not rocked even when he did get hit. Like he was not shook. He was ready to stand in the pocket again and again and again. We saw him for three series. And looking at those series, and we'll talk about stats here in a little bit. But when you look at those three series, I'm okay with how he performed. We saw what we needed to see. We got him out of there. I would like to see more this week against the Giants. I know you, you you try to weigh his health going into the season, but you can't play those games. He needs to play, especially when I talk about the stats for some of these other rookie quarterbacks. Albeit the other quarterbacks that I'm going to be talking about were, you know, some lower drafted guys or probably playing against second, third, fourth stringers, but he needs to get the reps. He needs to get the reps because I have emphasized the fact that we have two divisional games, and those divisional games are much closer than they've ever been. Every day that passes by, the regular season is approaching, folks, and it's no longer this game of ifs and buts, and we're going to find out who this team is. People in general, outside of you know the Carolinas, pretty high. National media is pretty high on the New Orleans Saints. I know Kitty Lit Podcast, <laughs> he is nowhere. He thinks the Saints are going to be hot garbage. Saints looked okay. They looked okay this past weekend. So they will be, it will be a competitive game when they come into Bank of, Bank of America Stadium, excuse me, week two. You have the Atlanta Falcons, a regrouped Atlanta Falcons with Desmond Ritter with some weapons on that side of the ball that could look to be a, you know, a threat in Tampa Bay. Um, you can't write off any team as much as you want to write off a team and tell, you know, say that they're going to go, whatever and whatever everything's up for grabs in our div- division it looks like the the margin of error is shrinking 
I I don't think a team's going to run away with it. I think this is going to be a, a battle week in and week out. You know, team overtaking team to move up. And we're talking maybe nine, ten wins could take the division this year. No, I'm getting way off track here, but I, I just had to go down a little bit of that tangent. But I say I want to see Bryce Young in more series. We had one first down while he was in there. And if you go back, I predicted, you know, we would see him for two series. Like that made sense. But then you get in there and you're watching him. You're like, hold on, I want to see him keep playing. Like, let's let's put him out there a little bit longer. And we didn't get to see that. The third series where he went in was really an adverse situation. You know, backed up. I liked it. They put him in there. Backed up. You know, Matt Corral had issues in that situation last year. And that's how he got injured. But I like that we put Bryce back there just to get a feel for what it's going to be like coming out of the end zone because you can't replicate some of that game experience in practice. As much as you want to replicate some of these things, you just can't do it, which is why the live reps matter. And as you talk about live reps, let's talk about the tackling. Oh, my gosh. Like, I get it. The rules have changed. NFL Players Association has made this a much easier process for these guys, and they deserve it. I mean – They're the ones banging around for 20-plus weeks out of the year, really longer than that. It's an agonizing sport. There's likely not a player on the team besides a kicker or punter, and hey, I mean, we got our kicker out, that does not go through some form of injury during the season. And it's not just a small injury. It's an injury that they're, they're playing through. I mean, taking Patrick Mahomes into account and what he did last year on a busted ankle that... He might have been 50%, 60% heading into the Super Bowl. That's how guys have to perform. So I guess I don't don't know how to talk it up, but I hope we're going to be focused on tackling because Jamie Robinson, oh my gosh, if y'all saw that, running back uh, for the New York Jets came right up to him, just a, a basic spin move and was gone. The part that kind of got the fan base, you know, hyped and even Steve Smith on the announcement is that he just whiffed and then he did not pursue. This isn't college, man. You're not at Florida State. You are in the NFL. Everyone around you is going to be vying for a spot on this roster, whether you were or were not drafted. Now, I, I say all that, like, I wish him and every player on this team the best. You always hear me say that. I want these guys to succeed because the more they succeed, the more we win and That's where we want this program to be. So we've got, I guess, you know, that that's my rant for the, for the, for the overall. And when we talk about this vanilla approach that where I was going back to is we look across the league and Patrick Mahomes is just a good example of a guy that wants to win as a competitive person myself, I want to win at everything I do. I don't care if it's pickup basketball, if it's tic-tac-toe, whatever it is, I have an innate you know, nature that's inside of me that says, I want to win. I don't care what it is. Put me out there and we are going to fight and we are going to win. I have pride in myself and it just didn't feel like that. I'm not saying we're in trouble. We are not in trouble the success of the preseason we've seen in numerous situations most recently i think the one of the years that Kansas City won they went 1 and 3 and we've seen it off and on the success in the preseason does not make you in the season even headlines going back to the 90s where Ryan Leaf outdueled Peyton Manning and we all know how that panned out 
Justin Jefferson looked terrible in the the preseason a few years ago. We've seen guys on the Carolina Panthers roster that have shined in the preseason. It's all circumstance, but I do think the winning nature is something you can't coach and recreate. And so this past weekend, you see Kansas City and the Saints battling it out. Kansas City scoring late in the game. Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, pumped up, man, going crazy for his guys. You you want to see that energy. We have not had a sustained winning tradition here in years. As much as we want to, we've missed the playoffs for several several years. And a team that used to pride itself on defense and winning, not to say that it's completely out the door. But we've got to, you know, kind of hone in. Like, training camp was great. There was a lot of buzz that came out of training camp. And Frank Wright said it best. You know, you can't let this loss take away from all the good that happened over these past few weeks. And if you want to talk about, you know, the the comparison between the two, the New York Jets, yes, they've been in camp a little bit longer, at least a week, week and a half, because they had the Hall of Fame game. They had already played one game. But, you know, with the reports coming out of our joint practices, you would have expected the Panthers to at least hold their own, minus, you know, a few guys being out. So that's my initial analysis. So let's talk through the inactives. Let's look at the snap count, the box score, and then we'll close this session out. So quite a few guys were out. Running back Miles Sanders, we know has tweaked his groin. He's missed a little bit of time in camp. He was actually still out of practice today. A little early to be concerned. I want him, you know, just going into the season healthy, but it does make you wonder if we would look out into the market. But if you look at Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott signing, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook signing with the Jets, Zeke signing with the Patriots. So guys are kind of falling off there. I believe Kareem Hunt was visiting the Saints with, you know, Alvin Kamara being out. But when we look at what we have, Chuba Hubbard, Raheem Blackshear, and Spencer Brown got quite a few carries. I still think we carry three running backs. I don't know many teams that would want to carry four. But looking at a production standpoint, that's what we did. And we'll talk about the stats here in a second. So outside linebacker Brian Burns was out. Justin Houston, who we just signed, uh, did not play as well. From the guys that we did get to see, on the defense side of the ball, he tore gross mottos. And I'm going to tell you what, when they had him lined up in that speed package it's, as the three technique, he looked good, folks. And I think he's, you know, maybe turned a few heads that were, were kind of naysayers that he wasn't going to do his thing. And he looked good. DJ Johnson, even. I've been, I haven't given him grief, but I've been like, hey, you know, ever since day one, why did we draft him where he did? He did what he was supposed to do. And he he was very aggressive, made a few plays out there. Barno, another guy that we've talked about a little bit that was like on the bubble, he's looked good. And then Kobe Jones, another name that's come up quite a few times here um, across just everyone who's following the Panthers and, and keeping in tune. So those were your big inactives. Then we also, just by virtue of some of the injuries through training camp and even leading up to it, Chandler Zavala was out. Nash Jensen, that was very much felt. Really, if you say it's, we talk about right guard, Austin Corbett's, of course, recovering. He's the primary starting right guard. Tight end, Stephen Sullivan was out. Wide receiver, Demir Bird. 
And then Marquise Haynes Sr., Jordan Thomas, and cornerback Mac McCain, and Eddie Pinheiro. So those were your inactives. So a few guys out, I think even, uh, I don't know what I was going to say. But yeah, quite a few guys out there. You you still expect them to be competitive. Just score, man. Make it make it somewhat close. <laughs> just just for the sanity of us. So snap breakdown. We know that, and I talked about Matt Corral getting tons of snaps. So the snap count, he led the offense with 37 snaps. He was in 77% of the plays. Behind him was Javon Wims. He had 31 offensive snaps, seven on special teams, wide receiver again. And then Deontay Brown, 30 snaps. Cade Mays, 28. Shai Smith, who we're waiting on a status update and, and how he's doing, 27 snaps. I say the name Michael Jordan. I think the timeline is going to blow up on me, but Michael Jordan had 26. Justin McRae, 26. Cam Irving, 23. Arnell Coleman, 21. Spencer Brown, 20. My boy, who I'm pulling for, Derek Wright, had 20, although he also suffered an injury. And then Tommy Trimble, 19. Blackshear, 17. I also saw a few other guys out there. Tecklenburg, DiRazino, Ian Thomas, TMJ, Chuba, CJ Saunders, Bozeman, Christensen, of course, Bryce Young, and Icky. I'm not going to read through every single starter. You can go out, or I should say person who, who got a snap count. Uh, you can go out there and, and find this on the panthers.com slash news snap counts for week one. Look at the defensive side of the ball. People are going to get excited about this. The, the Kobe Jones fan, so he led the defense with 41 snaps. On defense, nine on special teams. He was on, in on 58% of the snaps for defense. Jamie Robinson right behind him with 33 on defense, 10 on special teams. Keith Taylor, 33 on defense. A lot of the defensive guys playing both ways. Or I should say not both ways. Playing defense and special teams. Sam Franklin, 33. We know he had the interception, tripped up. Brandon Smith, whose name has kind of fallen off a little bit, but he had 30. Chandler Wooten had 30 snaps. DJ Johnson, 29. Eric Rowe, 27. Itor, 27. Iku Liotta, 26. That's another name people were pulling for. You look at these undrafted guys, always, you know, a lot of competition there, LSU. Josh Thomas, 25. Mark Milton, 25. Herb Miller, 23. I'm not going to keep reading because, you know, snap count, but then we have Barno, Raekwon, Stallworth, Stanley Thomas Oliver, CJ Henderson, Greg Maben, Marquan McCall, Ace Ellie. Bumper pull, my boy Bumper Pool. That was another guy I've been, you know, if y'all followed me, I've been pulling for Arkansas boy. He made a few plays. Not perfect, but I I still think, man, the dude knows how to tackle. He knows how to play. Will we have a spot for him this year? I don't think so, but maybe, maybe next year. We'll see. Get him up, get him on the practice squad. Don't let him any anybody else pick him up and develop him. And then yeah, I guess the inactive that I didn't really talk about is Eddie Pinheiro, which Eddie Pinheiro was out. And we know that Matthew Wright, backup kicker, was there, but we did not get to see any kicks. So there you go. That's your snap count. Let's talk or move through the injuries. That was, you know, your pregame inactives. Let's look at, you know, what we had coming out. And I've already mentioned a few of these. One of the bigger ones was Cameron Irving, who has 
a right ankle injury. We heard from Mike today. We don't know what the status is on that as far as the timeline. So something that's going to be monitored. And when we talk about injuries today that came out of practice, Terrace Marshall Jr., TMJ, was carted off the field, apparently sitting in the front of the cart. So in the post-practice press conference, Reich said that it was a back injury, that they were going to get x-rays at 5. It's 8.30. I have not heard anything. You know, I'm going to tweet or, or post as soon as I find out or hear what it is from, you know, the, the sources that I follow. We did hear from him, though, or hear that injury update. The thing about these, you know, these updates, too, is everyone, we live in pure instant gratification, across the entire world, especially the sports world. And news comes out that he was carted off the field was the news. Well, there was a caveat. He was carted off and sitting in the front seat. Like things were okay. It wasn't like a a devastating injury and you keep your fingers crossed and hope that, but he would, you know, it wasn't like carting him off with a leg injury or something super significant, at least right now. But this news comes out and minutes later, Adam Schefter's tweeting out, Terrace Marshall Jr. carted off the field. No context. People blowing up over it and like, dude, I, I tweeted at him under because like, yeah, like he's going to care about, you know, two growls, one roar. I don't care. And I said, come on. Yeah, he was carted off the field and sitting in the front of the cart. So there was more to the story. We just live in that world where people want the clicks and the bait and, you know, whatever you, you know, get, get what you got. I'm just a low down gritty Carolina Panthers fan that's going to give you the most accurate information that I can from the guys that I follow with my my trusted resources with the Charlotte Observer guys, the Athletic and ESPN. Those guys are at the practices every single day when you got a bunch of the fans that I connect with now giving us, you know, the true information and the lowdown. So there you go. Anyways, just had to throw that out there. But that was really what came out of it. Uh, Derek Wright actually sustained an injury the uh, during the game as well, and we have not got an update on uh, about his status, but he was out. So looking through the box score or kind of the the overall breakdown, I guess we'll get in the box score in a second. Let's talk about the scoring summary. Uh, New York Jets started off with a field goal. 825 in the first quarter, Greg Zerline connected on a 47-yard field goal. It was a long drive, 13 plays, 51 yards. Put the Jets up 3 to nothing. In the second quarter, we had another Greg Zerline 45-yard field goal off of an 8-play, 48-yard drive. Put the Jets up 6 to 0, and then at the end of the half, we kind of just fell apart, gave up a little bit, and that's where Kenny Yeboah had a 2-yard pass from Zach Wilson. It was actually a pretty Aaron Rodgers-esque play with that bootleg that Aaron's so good at. He rolls out, comes back, finds the guy. Guy's wide open. We had crashed down into the box. We bit on the fake, but that was an eight-play, 61-yard drive. Jets were up 13 to nothing. No scoring in the third quarter. In the fourth quarter, EJ Jenkins scored a receiving touchdown from Tim Boyle. That was a nine-play, 49-yard, uh, 49-yard drive. Put it. The Jets up 20 to 0, 13.43 left in the fourth. And then there at the end, Zach Kuntz had a four yard pass from Tim Boyle, put him up 27 to 0. 27 to 0. Like, like I said, man, I'm not, 
I'm not going to overreact and say that I'm concerned. We will turn it around. We've got two preseason games. The real season's going to be here. Things are going to be more stable. But I am a little like, come on, man. Y'all got to have some fight in you, folks. <laughs> and we kind of talk about, or let's yeah, this is actually a good segue. So let's talk about the box score breakdown, and then we'll look at the team stats. Zach Wilson led all passers, actually, Matt Corral, can you believe this? I didn't really talk too much about Matt. Matt Corral, not a great day by him. He talked about it. I mean, if this was really his first action in almost two years, really a solid year, you you know, he got playing time last year, but it was very small. He didn't have a great outing. A lot of it had to do with his eyes, just staring down receivers, protecting the ball when he's getting sacked. Center, you know, exchanges with the center. So he had two fumbles. He did lose one of them. And then he had one interception. He was 15 and 22, 126 yards, averaged about 5.7 yards per pass. He was sacked four times as well. And I think that's more than just him. Like we talked about how poorly across not just right guard, but the, the line played. And that even was with, you know, Icky and our starters that we had. Bryce Young was 4 of 6, 21 yards, 3.5 average. He did have one sack for 9 yards. His overall rating was 72.2. The leading rusher for the Panthers was Spencer Brown, a name I've talked about. Eight carries for 34 yards. Chuba had four carries for 9 yards. And then Matt Corral, two for seven. We didn't see a lot from Blackshear. He had one for two, two yards. Receiving, Derek Wright was your leading receiver Again, the guy I'm pulling for. He had three receptions, 35 yards. His longest catch was 15. Not a lot of production outside of that. We had two receptions for 23 yards for Javon Wims. Shai Smith, one for 20. Giovanni Ritchie, one for 14. Tommy Tribble, one for 12. CJ Saunders, one for nine. Adam Thielen, one. TJ Chark, Hayden, Ian all had one catch. So breakdown there. Did see a little bit of action or production from Raheem Blackshear and Spencer Brown in the past game, but not amounting to anything significant. Defensive side of the ball, Chandler Wooten had led the team in tackles, so he's another name that people have mentioned as someone that likely could be vying for a spot. Depends on how many linebackers we want to carry. Bumper pool right behind him. I should say Chandler Wooten had seven. Bumper pool, five. Then you have Keith Taylor with five, Taylor Stallworth, five tackles, Josh Thomas with four, Kobe Jones, four, Herb Miller, three, Kamu, three, Marquand, McCall, three, Nick Thurman, three, Derek Brown, three. And I'm going to just stop reading because it's a bunch of guys with three. We had, oh, broke off on me. We had one interception there that I talked about, Sam Franklin Jr., and those are your stats. Well, good old Johnny Hecker, five punts, 46.2 yard average, one punt inside the 20, and a 60 yard punt was his longest. On the other side of the ball, I won't harp on it too much because it's the opposing team. You probably don't care, but Zach Wilson, he looked good. I mean, he made our team look uh, not too great. He put up 27 points. Going to make anybody look bad. He was 14 to 20, 123 yards, one touchdown. Hey, was sacked one time, but had a 102 passer rating. Tim Boyles right behind him. 
9 of 10, 84 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. He had a 101 passer rating. The rushing attack of the New York Jets, they ran all over us. Israel Abenkananda, 12 carries, 56 yards. Travis Dye, 10 carries, 32 yards. Michael Carter, 4 for 19. They rushed for 141 yards. So you can talk about vanilla, and even Reich at the, you know, today said that he thought the Jets played pretty vanilla. If they played vanilla and ran the ball 141 yards, we got issues, folks. I mean, not just at start that, you know, starters across the board. Our rushing attack, 52 total yards. Michael Carter led the team in or the Jets in receiving in terms of yards, two catches, 34 yards. Israel had three for 31, Travis three for 25, Kenny Yamboa two for 23, and I won't keep reading their list. Bruce Hector recovered the fumble off of Matt Corral. Zaire Barnes led the Jets and tackles with eight, and then it drops down to Nick Vigil, Jimmy Moreland, Trey Dean. And then for your interception, it was Jimmy Moreland. And lastly, kicking, Greg Zerline was two for two, as I stated, three extra points, scored a total of nine points, but he was hit all of his field goals and extra points. And their punter, Thomas Morstead, three Punts for 143 yards, one inside the 20. So that's your box score. And then lastly, we'll do your team stats right here. So first downs. Jets had 21 first downs to our 10. Passing first downs, they had 13. We had eight. Rushing, they had eight. We had two. Third down efficiency. Beat us in, you know, almost every category. Seven for 15. We were three for 11. Fourth downs, they were two for two. We were 0 for two. And one of the fourth downs late in the game, we were actually in a pretty short yarded situation. And then Wright jumps offside, backed us up, is what it is. They ran 20 more plays than us. So they ran 68 plays. We ran 48 Almost had 150 more yards than we did as well. They had 348 total yards. We had 199 yards per play. They averaged about 5.1. We averaged about 4.1. Talked about the rushing stats, 141 to 52. Passing, 192 to 113. Penalties, we had five for 35 yards and then three for 35, or the Jets had three for 35. They were three for four in the red zone. We did not touch the red zone. Time of possession. They had the ball for 35 minutes. We had it for 24. And that is your breakdown of the Panthers and the New York Jets. So coming out of this, what do we do? Well, we know we've got to address the offensive line. And this is so funny as I, I came into this and I tweeted it or I posted it. If you had asked me coming into, you know, the game and like I've said in preseason in camp, where are, where am I worried or concerned? It was always cornerback outside the linebacker. We go into this. I'm like, oh yeah, the offensive line is going to be fine. And then the offensive line falls apart, falls completely apart. They're going to get it together. They're going to get it together. Campman is too good of a coach. He is one of the best in the league, best, one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. They also knew that they did not perform well when right 
after the game, they had a meeting with just the offensive linemen prior to coming in, you know, meeting with the team. They met together and that's a step you take or, you know, you want to be able to take as a team to, you know, get things right. With that said, I I think we or I didn't really understand the significance of Austin Corbett being out with his ACL injury. The timeline on his return and when he will be available, you know, he tours ACL in January. We're we're talking the season starting in September. So it does he miss the first three or four games? That would be good, you know, a decent time. I think we could manage to get by until he's available, but still something that we'll we'll continue to to watch because we don't really know right now. But you love to see the leadership that's there and at least them understanding it. So when we talk about the production from this weekend, it's, you know, you kind of take it with a grain of salt. I'm going to go through. So when I was rewatching the game, so I watched the game Saturday with our buddy who is in town. It's really my wife's husband. But he's my friend too, Caleb. He was in town, a Green Bay Packers fan. He wants to he wants to come on ahead of the Green Bay Packers show. And I said, let's do it. But we were uh, doing some mulch and watching football. So I went back and rewatched the highlights again on Sunday, just to like put it everything in perspective. As I did that, I tweeted out. So here's I'm just going through what I said to to recap my thoughts on anything on this bumper pool. I talked about him, but he did lead the team. I don't think he'll make the cut, but we'll see. I've mentioned Derek Wright. He's a name that has continued to come up. The coaches have raved about. You hope that he's healthy. Will we carry four running backs? I don't think we will. We'll see. Barno might have been the biggest winner coming out of yesterday, out of the game. Biggest frustration is going to be with O-line play and just getting beat on those basic stunts that I talked about. Like if that was the New York Jets vanilla approach and how they play and we can't defend a basic stunt, we're going to have some issues. Cornerbacks look good. This is what I didn't really mention. Dante Jackson coming off the Achilles injury, JC Horn. So the things that used to be issues are like, huh, guess we're actually going to be okay in those areas. Hey, I said, can we stop questioning Bryce's durability? What more do you want him to prove? I hope the media moves away from those questions that includes the commentators and everyone after the game, because that's all that came up. Every little thing. I don't like it. Reich likes to talk about TNT, things that take no talent. Effort takes no talent. Robinson giving up on that play will be noticed. His roster spot is safe. But there you go. Can't wait to see Jensen and Zavala. I talked about that. I talked about time of possession, third down turnovers, sacks, red zone, all the things that are just correctable, things that can be coached. And so things are going to move in the right direction. I, I, I fully believe that. And we'll get ready to face the New York Giants coming up here. And so the only thing that I was going to recap that I had left, I saw a really nice tweet from the NFL Rookie Watch. So if you want to follow them, taking a look at the the weekend preseason debut for rookie quarterbacks. And this is all quarterbacks putting on my glasses for this. So Bryce Young, 
this is by order they were drafted. Bryce Young, we, I talked about four of six, 67% completion percentage, 21 yards. Yeah. CJ Stroud, not so great a debut. Two for four, 50% on his passing. 13 yards, one interception. I think he'll get it turned around. He just was under a lot of duress and pressure. Anthony Richardson, another guy that the, the Panthers or Panthers folks talked about. Seven of 12, 67 yards, one interception. Struggled a little bit as well. Will Levis was 9 of 14 for 85 yards and one interception. Bryce Young was out of that top four group, was the only quarterback not to throw an interception. Small sample size, but it still was a win-win, and you could just see his precision and ability to process, even on, on plays where he missed, like chart cutting up uh, on the sideline. Jake Heiner was 10 of 17, 105 yards, one touchdown, one interception. This one, folks, like I, I, I hope this guy succeeds just because of the hate that he gets. Stetson Bennett. People talk about how old he is and yada, yada. Everybody's got jokes. He was 17 for 29, 191 yards, 59% completion percentage, so a little bit low, but had one touchdown. Hmm. Take that for a guy that's supposed to be, you know, a, a bust or not really the, the quarterback that was leading Georgia. That's And I'm not a Georgia fan, folks, so there you go. I'm just saying. That's good to see. Aiden O'Connell was 15 of 18, so clearly leading the, the, the front there, 83%, 141 yards, one touchdown. Clayton Toon, 13 of 23, 135 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Another big performance, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, 9 of 10, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Sean Clifford, wow, 20 of 26, 208 yards, one touchdown, but then two interceptions. Jaron Hall, 6 of 14, 37 yards. Tanner McKee. 10 to 20, 148 yards. That name came up a few times. Max Duggan, TCU boy, 2 of 3, 19 yards. And there you go. That is your breakdown. We talked, one of the the only names that I did not mention when we're kind of closing this out with just the status of the team. I talked about Derek Wright being out. It was a knee injury or is a knee injury. Cameron Irving. Henry Anderson is also out. He's another guy that's been a, a pretty high performer Defensive end, Steven Sullivan, Jordan Thomas, and Demir, what well, we know about Demir Bird, also out. Nash Jensen was back at practice, as was Chandler Zavala, both getting reps with the first team. So seems like you know things are going to be moving in that direction. If I was to bet, I'm betting that either Zavala or Jensen are going to be your starters. And you love you love the Jensen story, North Dakota. Boy coming over here fighting for a spot as an undrafted kid. And he's, you know, come out to say if you haven't, you know, read the article that he understands he's competing against these guys and he wants to be there just like everyone else on the roster. Well, that is my first analysis of the season. Many more to come. Let's see what 17, 18, 19 more if we count two preseason games, hopefully 20, 21. But, you know, as we, as we close this out, I think it is, and I say this, I say this, and I've been, I've been saying it, our expectations for what this season is going to be, it's going to be a roller coaster. Like, it is going to be a roller coaster. People think, or we think that because we have Bryce Young and all these new toys and players and 
everything that's around him, that it's just going to turn around overnight. And it's going to, it's going to be a process like not to make Matt rule sound any better, but it is going to be a bit of a process. It's a process where I think we'll be much further, faster than we would have expected, but there's going to be learning curves and bumps in the road with Bryce Young leading the helm. We're going to be good. All right, y'all, this is Carolina dad. And I, I actually very quickly before I sign off, I'm going to be doing a Panthers Giants preview, which will get you ready for the Panthers and Giants. Now I'll talk about the Giants game. Giants game, well, me and my wife got a concert to go to here in Wilmington. So I will not be watching the Giants game live because we'll be at the concert. So, of course, I can get updates on my phone, but I'll have to watch the game Saturday. And then, depending on how things shake out, potentially record Saturday or may push it out to Sunday. Um, I will say like heading into the season, the ideal rollout of this is going to be the game happens and then I record minus the Monday night game, but I'll record at night, then have it ready or in the afternoon, I should say, and then have it ready for the next day. And then we can move on to the preview of the next team. So there you go. Anyways, side tangents, just, just calling that out there. Well, That's all I got, folks. This is Carolina Dad. See y'all.